Amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Mark chapter number 1. Mark chapter number 1, the gospel according to Mark. Again, I'd like to encourage our kids to do the same. Mark chapter number 1, and we're going to begin at verse number 40. Mark chapter 1 and verse number 40. If the Lord would allow it, we'll uh, finish the first chapter of the gospel according to Mark tonight. And next time we gather, if it be the Lord's will, we'll get in chapter number 2 in the book of Mark. Mark chapter number 1, verse number 40. If you're there, say amen. Amen. The Bible says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will, be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed, and straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and said unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, and show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded, for testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter. That means he put it on Facebook. Insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter the city but was without in desert places, and came to him, and they came to him from every quarter. Our Heavenly Father, tonight we thank you for this day. We thank you for this morning's service. And Lord, I pray that your word tonight would be a great encouragement and help to our Christian lives. And Lord, that we could know the truth, and that truth could make us free. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a it would be, I know, Lord, it would be a miracle of your grace that you would stir up in us a thirst and a hunger for your word, beginning, Lord, from the youngest to the oldest here, and we'd realize how important it is that we know your word, and we're fed by it, we're edified by it, and we grow by it. Lord, give us an open heart tonight to receive your truth. Give us ears to hear. Lord, please forgive me of my sins by your grace. Lord, help me. Lord, I know what I am, and you know more than me. You know desperately I'm in need of your help, and you know what I am. Help us, Lord, to not bless us and bless your word. In your name, Jesus, Lord, we pray. Amen. Here tonight we have the account of Jesus healing this man with leprosy. And this, Jesus' ability to do that has already become like, uh, that's just what he does. That's what Jesus does in the New Testament. He just seems to be... Uh, him going about his way, and he's healing a man with leprosy. And if you was a witness to this, this would be huge news. It would be huge news to us. But in the Old Testament, and they were very, they were well informed of the Old Testament, that there's only three occasions in the Old Testament that the Bible records that anyone was healed of leprosy. And that's Moses who had leprosy, and it was healed. And Miriam, his sister, had leprosy, and she was healed. And then then Naaman had leprosy and he was healed. So we only have three times in the Old Testament where somebody had leprosy and then they didn't by the grace of God. And here Jesus comes along and, and he's healing a man with leprosy. And so immediately, I'm sure the witnesses of this, they're realizing that, again, this is someone who has tremendous 
power and authority. And this is a work of God. And even Nicodemus, it must be these things on the mind of Nicodemus when he comes to Jesus in John chapter number 3, and he says that we know that thou art a teacher come from God, because nobody can do the works that thou doest except God be with him. And so Jesus is doing things that is recognizably miraculous and only that God can do. Leprosy is a terrible, terrible disease. And thank God it, we, don't have, we don't have much of it here in America. But leprosy, if you don't know, it is, it is a flesh-eating disease. Literally, you are rotting to death. Um, it could start probably with uh, losing, having a sense of numbness in your extremities. And you, have, you begin to spot and you begin to literally rot and you are a rotting person. And to have leprosy means that you are excommunicated from society. Now, if you remember COVID, less, we, I'm sure we haven't forgotten, have we? Do you remember even in those days that there, just the, at first, we didn't know, we didn't know. We was all reacting based on what we did know. And remember, we didn't even gather physically. And do you remember what it was like that you couldn't come to a church building? Do you remember what it was like when we, when we got to gather again physically? How liberating that felt. Now, could you imagine living a life like that times 100? That nobody can visit you. If you had leprosy, you had to, if you walked in a public space, you had to cover your face, and you had to say that you were unclean. The shame that you would experience from that. You couldn't go to any synagogue. You, you couldn't go to work. Nobody could touch you. Basically, the only interaction you had with any other human being was that, that people that had leprosy also you couldn't go to any Jewish religious festivals. You couldn't observe Passover. You couldn't go to the, to the Feast of Tabernacles. You couldn't do any of those things. You couldn't go to Christmas. You couldn't go to gather around the table at Thanksgiving. You lived in, a, in an exiled community with other lepers. They became your family. You're surrounded by people who are rotting to death. You could imagine how somebody would feel if they have leprosy. To have leprosy was, a, was like a walking death sentence. To have leprosy was... Was, was a terrible, terrible plague upon the body. And not only that, the psychological things that come along with that would obviously be tremendous to bear. And so we know this man, this man is suffering greatly. And thank God that Jesus came along that day. Now it's wonderful what happened to this man, isn't it? It's wonderful what Jesus did to this man. I'm struck by the Bible says in verse number 41 that Jesus was moved with compassion for him. And that we see here Jesus having, the Bible expressing Jesus as having a tremendous amount of compassion. But he's not only compassionate, but he can also have the power to heal. But notice, this man wanted to be healed. And so in verse number 40, there came a leper to him. So now we know what we're dealing with here. Here comes a man to Jesus who is suffering from this condition. Now, if you can imagine with me, there's a great crowd around Jesus, I'm sure of it. Because in verse, in, uh, in verse number 32 and 34, there were so many people gathered at the door of uh, Simon's mother-in-law, the whole town was gathered together. And so there's a great crowd surrounding Jesus. And can you imagine this man with leprosy? There's a huge gathering around the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has enough courage probably to cover his face and say, unclean, unclean. And I'm sure around him the crowd is just parting because nobody wants to be around a leper. Now, if you get leprosy, your life on earth is over as you know it. And so Jesus, here comes Jesus, and here comes the leper. He's saying, unclean, unclean. I'm sure the crowd is dispersing around him. I'm sure some people are saying, you need to get out of here. 
I bet you some people are saying you don't belong out here. You need to go back where you come from. I'm sure he stinks. I'm sure he's not well-groomed. He can't go to the Walgreens, nowhere. And this man is coming to Jesus in his filth. The Bible, you see why the Bible often depicts leprosy as it's a metaphor for sin? And that's the way that we look inwardly, our souls sinfully. I'm sure that's the way that God sees us in our sin. I think it's important that we understand that, uh, that you have no righteousness apart from the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your righteousness is a filthy rags. And I know we think, well, I can't really identify with him, but really we should identify with this man. Because in the presence of God, we should say, unclean, unclean, I'm an unholy, I'm a nasty thing. But he comes to Jesus Christ. And so he came to Jesus. You know why he got healed? He got healed because he came to Jesus. You know why you got saved if you are? You got born again because you came to Jesus. And this man came to Jesus. And he came the right way because he came beseeching him. That's like begging in verse number 40. And he came kneeling down to him. He doesn't at all think that Jesus owes him something. But he comes to him with so much humility that could you please have pity on me? And so he came to Jesus, and he came to Jesus, and Jesus had compassion on him. And because Jesus had compassion on him, this man is made whole. You know, we're praying for a good number of people, aren't we, on Wednesday night, that aren't saved. But you know why they won't get saved? It's because they won't come to Jesus. So we need to start praying, I think, that they just come to Jesus. We're praying that people get saved, but they don't come to Jesus. They don't want Jesus. See, this man got healed because he went to Jesus. But these, these people that we're praying for, we're, they won't even come to Jesus. I mean, you can't even get people to either gather somewhere and worship. I mean, all across America, it's no wonder we're leprosy. And the metaphor applies. America and our Western civilization, we are rotting from the inside out. Do you know that? And nobody is coming to Jesus. And they're going to stay lepers, they're going to stay lost, they're going to stay decaying. And this man came to Jesus and he was made whole. And that's why he was made whole, because he came to Jesus Christ. But the problem is most people don't see their need. Most people don't know they're lepers because they're surrounded by other lepers. Most people have no clue or the concept of how really depraved and how much they need the Lord Jesus Christ. And our churches are filled with souls like that. But we're praying for people to get saved. We need to pray they come to Jesus. Because they won't get saved unless they first come to Jesus Christ. And the issue isn't that Jesus came. It's that their heart is unwilling to come to Jesus Christ. And the only reason they're going to die and go to hell is not because Jesus can't save them, but because they aren't willing to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. This man was willing to come. See, people who aren't willing, they're going to stay lepers. But people who are willing to come to Jesus, they will be made whole. See, people who are lost, they're going to stay lost. But people who are willing to come to Jesus, notice his language. No wonder Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come. In John chapter number 5, I was reading it today. Jesus was talking to the Jewish leaders of the time. And here's what he told them. He says, you, ye wilt not come to me. He said, you will not, that you won't have life. You will, you will not come to me, he said. Now, a lot of people think, well, Jesus would be begging them to come. Jesus would be crying for them to come. No, Jesus was honest. He said, you will not come to me, that you might have life. 
You know, there's other lepers in the leprosy community here, but this man came to Jesus Christ. This man saw his need. This man came begging. This man fell on his knees. No shame. This man said to Jesus, Wilt, would you have compassion on me? He says, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. That sounds like faith talking, don't it? So come to the right person. He came for the right reason, he came to the right person, and he came the right way. But people have so much pride, don't they, today? You know, you'd think there'd be every leper around the Sea of Galilee, you'd think that they would come to Jesus Christ and be healed of leprosy, wouldn't you? Why didn't the rest of them come? Thank God this one came, this man came. Now, verse 41, Jesus being moved with compassion, he put forth his hand and he touched him. Well, that's an interesting observation. Nobody's allowed, nobody would ever touch this man. This man probably hasn't been touched by by a clean person, somebody who doesn't have leprosy, in a long time. Nobody's touching this man. You might not think it's a big deal, but go a long time without getting hugged. Go a long time without shaking a hand. Go a long time without uh, having physical contact with anybody. And people who, they don't even want to. So the psychological effect on this man. And Jesus, the first thing he does is Jesus touches him. Now Jesus, he said, I will be thou clean. And so it's the thinking that what made the man whole was that Jesus spoke it and he was made clean. But before Jesus did that, he touched him. So Jesus touched him when he was dirty. Jesus touched him before he was clean. Jesus touched him while he was a leper. I tell you what, I'm glad that Jesus Christ who is too good to touch guilty sinners, I'm glad being moved with compassion, he touches, aren't you? I'm glad that Jesus Christ, who is clean and pure, who is righteous on his own, he came down and healed lepers like me and you. Amen? Nobody else would touch him, but Jesus touched him. Nobody else would give him a hug, but you could think of Jesus. He gave him a hug. You know, that's the Savior, isn't it? A loving, tender, compassionate Savior. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, the emphasis again is on the words of Christ here. So, in the book of Mark, you'll notice, especially this first chapter, that Jesus, His words have authority. So there's an emphasis being placed that the words of Jesus Christ have authority. So remember Jesus called uh, James, John, Andrew, and Peter, and he just said, come ye after me, and they followed him straightway. Immediately they followed him in the way. So Jesus, with the man who's possessed with demons, Jesus rebuked it, verse 25, saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And Jesus just said his word, just at the words of Christ, this man regained his, his sanity and delivered from demonic oppression. This man who is unclean, this man who has been exiled, this man who is rotting, this man, he was made whole. Jesus touched him, and Jesus says, I will, and he said, be thou clean. So if you're, if you're observing this and you're thinking about it, and I hope you are, here's what we're beginning to learn. Now, here's what the Bible wants you to know, that Jesus' words have a tremendous amount of influence and authority over people's lives. Jesus' words call ordinary fishermen, they'll forsake their nets 
and they'll follow him straightway, immediately in the way. The man who's possessed by demons, not one. I'd hate to be possessed by one demon, wouldn't you? Just one. I don't want no business with that, do you? This man's possessed with multitudes of demons. And Jesus just casts them out at his word. This man has leprosy. We only know of three occasions in the Old Testament where somebody had leprosy and then they did not. And Jesus, just at his word, he makes a leper whole. So here's what we can conclude then. That Jesus' words have influence and power to deliver, to heal, and to call someone. Just They'll just change their life. Just at the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know why... You know why you and I often, and church people, and people, and Christians in general, you know why they're anemic, they're oppressed, and they live into themselves? Because it's simple. It's because they're not hearing what Jesus says. It's that simple. They're not listening to Jesus. There is no word going in their heart. There is no private devotion. There is no reading the scripture and doing what Jesus says. There is no believing what Jesus says. This man, if, if thou wilt, I know, he said, I know that you can make me whole, if you will. I know you can. If you, this man has faith, he comes to this authority with faith. And Jesus says, I will make you whole. So we, we're either not hearing the word, or when we hear it, we're not believing the word. Many of us act like, a great many of people, act like that this word tonight has no influence over their lives. That this cannot speak into your life. That maybe the, maybe the church isn't in the right neighborhood, therefore God can't speak into your life. Maybe there's not enough people here, and therefore God cannot speak into your life. Maybe you don't like the pastor. Hey, the pastor don't like the pastor. Maybe that's the truth. But God's word can't speak into your life. There's all these reasons why that we're anemic and we're powerless and we live into ourselves and we're not following Jesus in the way because we hear the word, but we're not believing the word. We're not believing the Word of God. We're not believing what Jesus says. Now, how do we know we believe the Word of God? Like our father Abraham, all right, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to live according to the Scriptures. I'm going to believe, Jesus, what you say. And I'm telling you what, if you want to be set free tonight, you just believe what Jesus says. I mean you just believe what the Word of God says. And you stop living your own life, your own way, and doing what you want. You believe it to the point that you'll do anything to keep that word. You'll give up everything to keep that word. You'll believe it to the point that you'll raise your children by that word. And that word, you have the utmost faith and confidence in it. That word, that power who has the power to cast out demons. The power to influence lives to the point that they quit being fishermen. His word. It's not that Jesus can't. It's that we don't do what he says. And we have all the time, we have multitudes of reasons why. But ask yourself, is your life working out according to your will? It never is. It's a rhetorical question. I already know the answer to it, and you do too. We live into ourselves. We make our own religion up. We say, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but that's what we say. I know that's what Jesus says. Yes, but... We always do that, don't we? I know that's what he teaches. And we begin to have all types of reasons why. As if Jesus can't. It's not that Jesus can't. It's that this man was willing. It's not that he can't. 
It's that we won't. We will not come to him. We won't. And this man was made whole. This man believed that Jesus could do it. And this man, the evidence of his belief, even his posture, he submitted himself under this authority. We want our lives to change. There's a bunch of people, listen carefully, I don't want to be misunderstood. There's a bunch of people who think, if I go to church, my life will change. If I go to an altar after service, my life will change. If I quit doing this, my life will change. Your life will never change until you believe the words of Jesus Christ. It'll never change. I remember that I had a spiritual crisis went on for years. Years. I made so many trips to the altar, you could have put it in dedication of Joshua Adam Green. I was sincere. I meant it with all of my heart. And every time I got done praying, I felt good for about 10 minutes, and on the way home, it hit me again. And I'd think, well, next time I'm going to go better, or I'm going to go right. And don't misunderstand me. Don't leave here saying, well, Josh, no, that's not at all what I'm saying. Hey, if you need prayer, you come and pray, amen? If you need the church to pray with you, then you come and don't be afraid to do it. You come. But if you don't believe the words of Jesus Christ, your life will never change. And I could say from experience, and I could say, you can't tell me this ain't true. My life began to change for the glory and the purpose of Christ. And it ain't perfect. It sure ain't perfect. When you take the Bible... You believe what it says, and you do what it says in faith. The doing is because you believe it. You believe it, and then you'll do it. And you watch your life change. You watch it change. There is power in the words of Jesus Christ. Or you can stay a leper, and you can rot and be dreary and dull the rest of your life. Most people are under the opinion that it will not work and it cannot work. Again, if I could quote him again, the great preacher once said, it's not that Christianity doesn't work. He said it's rarely applied. Do you really believe that if someone addicted to drugs and opiates and who knows what else, if they sincerely came to Jesus Christ in repentance, that he don't have the power and he don't have the authority, and he don't have the means to clean them up, fix them up, save them, redeem them, and change their life? You really think that Christ can't do that? That Christ cannot make a crooked path straight? He can't make a valley and a mountaintop flat? That he came on some fool's errand? That he came and died for sinners and only some sinners, but not all who come to him? No, all who come to him, he'll in no wise cast them out. Amen? All who do, believe what he says. Believe his word and live. Lastly, so Jesus healed him. And the Bible says as soon as he had spoken, so he, as soon, immediately the leprosy departed from him. I mean, it's immediate. Could you imagine that? So this man has leprosy. Now he don't because of the power of Jesus. Verse 43, and he straightly charged him. So Jesus, hey, i got something to tell you. And forthwith, send him away. So Jesus says, I want you to go somewhere. And where does he want him to go? Verse 44, Jesus said unto him, See, thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, 
and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for testimony unto them. Now, if, if you want to dig in, dig in, and that'd be wonderful, it, it would take some time to rightly explain it, but Le- Leviticus chapter 14 is all the requirements for a, somebody who's a leper to go back before the priest, and they'd have to do these examinations, and there'd be a period of time, and they'd have to come back, and they'd have to look at them again. And so that's what Jesus wants this man to do. He wants Jesus to go according to the law of Moses, because he came to keep the law, and I want you to go, and I want you to do what the Bible says. That's what Jesus wants this man to do. And it could be that Jesus wants him to do that is because so the, the religious leaders can examine the work of Christ and like they did before Pontius Pilate and King Herod and they could find, hey, this is a work of God. That could be what's in the mind of our Lord Jesus Christ. But this man, he don't do that. And he don't, he don't do that at all. The Bible says in verse 45, he, and to blaze abroad the matter. That's what he did. I like that expression. He blazed abroad the matter. And why would Jesus not want him to tell though? Because you would think that's what Jesus would want. Well, there is, some, there is an answer, I think, in verse number 45, after and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city. So Jesus had some more work to be done there, but Jesus became so famous that he really couldn't do the work that he wanted to do. Now that's interesting because Jesus does work as a public figure, <clears throat> but we see the heart of Christ here. Apparently, he's wanting to work on people one-on-one. He's wanting to deal with people and talk with people, but he got so famous he couldn't do that. So it hindered his work there in the town. Now, it could also be that not only is Jesus not wanting this him to be publicized yet because he wanted to do some work, but also it shows that Jesus really did have true compassion on him because Jesus wasn't trying to be famous. He wasn't trying to go viral. He wasn't trying to get people to like it. Jesus really just did it because he cared about this man. And so Jesus said, I don't want you to tell anybody. So when Jesus says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand does, he's living it out. He just, hey, I did it for you. I didn't do it for me. I don't want to be misunderstood. I did this for you. I'm not doing this for my name's sake. But I, was, I heard, and I was, as I was studying this passage, I come across this story. And this man did disobey Jesus, didn't he? He did. Jesus said, I want you to go to the temple I want you to go to the temple, and he didn't go. Jesus said, don't tell anybody, and he told everybody. And I was, as I was preparing for this, I came across this story that there was a preacher in Texas, and he had an interesting take on this man's disobedience, because he did all disobey. And we're like, why did he do that? That's probably what we're thinking. That's what I thought. You blew it, buddy. <clears throat> but there's some irony here that I think is important for us to know in closing. Jesus told this man to tell no one, and he told everyone. But Jesus tells us to tell everyone, but we tell no one. So we're disobedient, aren't we? Jesus told him, don't tell anybody, and he told everybody he could tell. And Jesus tells me and you to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel to every creature, and we don't tell anybody. We can't really talk about him, can we? Something so exciting to his life drove him, the impulse so exciting. He's like, I can't, I can't, I gotta tell everybody. I don't know if he went to the temple or not. Seems like maybe he didn't. He was so wound up, he's like, I'm telling my mama, I'm telling my dad, I'm going to hug my kids. 
Because it, it'll take about a week from what I've discovered for him to be pronounced clean, and then he can go see everybody, all of his loved ones again, because he still had to wait. This man was so excited, he, could, he told everybody he knew. You know, I think it means, I think it must mean, if we're honest, we must not really believe it enough to be excited about it. We must not really believe it to just go tell everybody about it. I found out that uh, one of our members got a brand new car. We were kidding with him. That's exciting, ain't it? You know when you get a brand new car, you know, you talk about it, and this is not for his personal application, but we get excited. You know, because it's real to us. God help us to be excited about telling what Jesus told us to tell. Faith. So what does Jesus want me to do? He, he wants you, and God help us, to go ye into all the world and teach and preach and tell every creature. Go tell them what Jesus has done for you. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a preacher. God's called us to be witnesses. And just to say, here's what Jesus did to me. God help us to have that type of excitement, to obey him in that way. Again, Jesus told this man to tell no one, and he told everyone, and Jesus has told us to tell everyone, and we tell no one. And something greater has happened to us than being healed of leprosy. Something far more important has happened to us than to be healed of some grotesque physical disease. Jesus has saved us from spiritual leprosy. We now have everlasting life, and God help us to tell everyone to be excited about it. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We'll get a song of invitation. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, tonight, before we sing, God, I pray that you'd help us to see how compassionate you are. Lord, how good you are. How you did not do it for a show. Your compassion is real and it's sincere. And Lord, your words have deep power, power to change lives. And Lord, I pray that we would hear your word and believe it. And we would follow you. God, I pray that you would increase our faith by your word. You'd keep us by your word. And Lord, I pray this number tonight, and Lord, from the, from the pulpit to the pew, that God, that you would help us to believe your word, to read your word and to do what you say. And our lives would change. Help us, Jesus. In your name, Christ, we pray. Amen.